Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Tracy Sandler Show brought to you by Fivo. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am thrilled. I'm going to go with thrilled. Thrilled, wow. I'm thrilled. I am thrilled by the opportunity to have you on the show. Matt Schneidman, Packers beat writer for The Athletic. Welcome to the show. Matt, did you think that you were going to be spending the divisional round in Santa Clara? Or did you think you were going to be on your way to vacation? No, I thought I was going to be on a one-way ticket to Cancun right now. <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have the money or desire to go to Cancun. But no, I didn't think the Packers would be here, let alone in the playoffs. I mean, mm-hmm. this season has been such a roller coaster for them. They started 2-1. and one, And we said, okay, Jordan loves the next guy. But then they lose four in a row, fall to two and five, three and six, and they win three in a row, get back to six and six, but then they lose two more. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, now they have to win their last three to make the playoffs. Not only did they make the playoffs, and not only did they beat the Cowboys last weekend, they annihilated the Cowboys. They annihilated them. Annihilated them, which makes this matchup interesting because as we both know, the 49ers have been Matt LaFleur's boogeyman the last couple of years in the playoffs. But I wonder if there's something different within this team with how different they are compared to those teams of years past mm-hmm. that might give them a little bit more of an edge. I'm still picking the 49ers. I know we'll probably get to that. But, you know, this Packers team is is playing with momentum and that's got to count for something. Well, it's funny because people have asked me, like, what do you think? Is there any chance the 49ers lose? Well, first of all, there's always a chance. There is a reason right. they play the games. Uh, and there, And as Kyle Shanahan said the other day, and he's said it a few times, once you get to the playoffs, it's who plays the best for three and a half hours. It's one and done. It's not like, it's not a best of seven series. So I think Fred Warner had said that too. So it really is who plays well for those three and a half hours and mistakes can happen. But I also think at this point, everyone's there for a reason. Clearly the Packers had a great game plan that worked for the Cowboys. It shocked them. I don't think that, I don't think that will happen to the 49ers just because I think they're prepared and they're not going to be overlooking the Packers. But They are a hot team with momentum. And there is also something to be said for the law of numbers and averages. And like you said, it's been Matt LaFleur's boogeyman. At some point, the Packers are going to beat the 49ers of the playoffs. I'm not going to pick it to be Saturday, but I wouldn't be totally shocked if it was Saturday. I guess I'll put that. Yeah, I would be surprised if this is the last time we see Brock Purdy and Jordan Love go up against, oh, I know they're not going up against each other, but the last time these two teams with them at quarterback face off in the playoffs. It looks like both these teams are set up for years to come. But, you know, something I think the Packers have to do to contend in this game that they did really well against the Cowboys is establish the run early. Now, Mm -hmm. uh, I was talking with my colleague, David Lombardi, obviously, and he said, you know, 49ers biggest weakness is probably defending the run. I know they ranked 26th in run defense EPA per snap this year. And Aaron Jones, after the Packers didn't have a hundred yard rusher in the first 14 games of the season, has eclipsed 110 yards in each of the last four games. He had never done it more than twice in a row, which he only did once throughout this is now his seventh year in the league. So the Packers had a 12-play, almost eight-minute drive that spans 75 yards to take a 7-0 lead against the Cowboys. If they can control the clock, not only to put points on the board and, and help out their running game, to keep that 49ers pass rush on its heels a little bit, which is what they did really well against the Cowboys, that would be fine. But also giving the Packers defense a rest because we know what this 49ers offense can do to Green Bay's defense, which is susceptible against the run. I mean, I still remember like it was yesterday, 
Raheem, Mo- Raheem Mostert's still running around the left edge somewhere uh, against the Packers <laughs> in that 2019 NFC Championship game. Christian McCaffrey is capable of more than that. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's going to run for 230 yards, but Packers are susceptible against the run. I mean, they could, yeah. The Packers are susceptible against the run, but to give their defense as much of a rest as possible, I think the offense is going to need to extend some drives, and obviously getting the running game going early would help that. With the NFL playoffs right around the corner and the NBA season in full swing, Bet Online has you covered with all the up-to-the-second odds, news, and scores. With additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime. Head there today to get into the action and see all the updated odds. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Absolutely. I mean, that first drive in Dallas, the end of that drive, I said, they're going to win this game. Like, yeah. they, they're, that's it. Like, as far as I was concerned, it was over. I continued to watch, but I was like, as far mm-hmm. as I was concerned, it was over because they did everything they wanted to do and the Cowboys just looked completely perplexed. So I agree with you. And it's interesting to have two teams that need to establish the run and two teams that need to defend the run. And David is right. If there is a weakness on this defense, it's in the run defense. Now, they're probably going to have Eric Armstead back on Saturday, which helps that tremendously. They'll be without Cleveland Farrell, however, which hurts that. He's been really good in the run, but it certainly has been a weakness. The other thing is, as you well know, the Packers don't turn the ball over, which is a huge thing in the playoffs. When you can hang on to the football and you can take care of the football, maybe hang on to the football is not the right term, but when you can take care of the football, that often is the difference maker in playoff playoff games. And of course, the worst game we really saw for the 49ers, I mean, Cleveland was a tough loss. Minneapolis was mm-hmm. a tough loss. But the game, the, that Ravens game was gone because there were so many turnovers so early. I don't think that's not necessarily something they're susceptible to, but it's something to keep an eye on, especially because it's not going to be so easy to create turnovers against the Packers. Without a doubt. And if you see my eyes wandering, it's because I want to get this touchdown to interception ratio stat right for Jordan Love. Okay, so since week 11 against the Chargers, Jordan Love has thrown 21 touchdowns to one interception. I mean, just like, you know, Brock and Dak could be in the conversation, but you can make an argument that there's been no better quarterback the second half of the season until now than Jordan Love. Uh He's protected the ball really well uh, through the air. And you'll see why I'm saying through the air. And he's throwing it really accurately. You know, as I'm sure you saw against the Cowboys, guys are wide open. So it's Uh not like he's throwing into tight windows all the time. But you said hang on to the ball, which is key because Jordan Love has lost three fumbles since week 14. Well, see, um, it was a mistake, and I and it look at how, look at how small. no, but it worked because <laughs> it, you know two of them have been while he's trying to scramble for first downs, one against the Giants, and then one against the Bears in the last game of the regular season, and then one was against the Buccaneers, you know, late in a in a blowout loss where he was just dropping back and had it knocked loose. Mm-hmm. So through the air, he's been really good protecting the football. You know, I think he had ten interceptions the first ten games of the se- or first ten nine games of the season, mm-hmm. then the last eight games of the season, he had one. So I don't know if he's going to give the 49ers many opportunities in that regard, but he still needs to protect the football because if Packers want a chance in this game, they can't be giving the 49ers any free possessions. Like they are giving them, you know, free bullets and board material with what Devontae Wyatt said yesterday about how Brock Purdy uh, 
crumbles under pressure, essentially, when he's number one in the NFL in passer rating under pressure. Makes me question what film they're showing the Packers here in Green Bay this week. I retweeted, reposted, whatever it is we're supposed to say now, your your tweet or post on that, because I thought... I don't call it X. I I, I call it Twitter. It's Twitter. That's fine. Great. Because it's just too confusing. So I retweeted your tweet on that because... And I tweeted... I just... No comment. I didn't really have anything to say. I just (laughs) felt like your tweet spoke for itself. And I, and I thought about it though, because I was like, why are you doing this? Like you're, you are the underdog. You're going into their home field. You have not beaten them in the playoffs in 1 million years. That might be an exaggeration, but it actually may not be. I don't think it is an exaggeration. I think it's yeah. been 1 million years since they beat <laughs> them in the playoffs. Like why do that? Especially if you're wrong. And that, that, what I found most interesting is, yeah, what film are they watching? Because unless they're just watching the Ravens game, but that was those interceptions weren't necessarily pressure related. I mean, some of the, a couple of them were flukes. One of them was just really bad, and maybe one of them was. So I don't know. It was just an odd thing to say. And do you feel like is that something going on in the locker room generally, or is that was kind of a one off? Uh, no, there was definitely a one off. You know, I I was only in on the Jordan Love and Devontae Wyatt scrums yesterday, so okay. I, I'm not aware of any other quote unquote trash talk like that. Huh. Listen, I, I don't think a guy like Devontae Wyatt, who was their 2022 first round pick, he's been very productive this year, ironically, in getting pressure on the quarterback. He's not dumb. You don't get to this point by being dumb. Right. But I wonder if it's just him trying to ruffle their feathers a little bit, get them off their game. And not that something like that would get the 49ers off their game, but maybe just to take their focus off something a little bit, because there's no way that. Joe Barry is just showing them selective tape where Brock Purdy is not playing well. Like that would be, you know, a fireable offense if they showed him just one game. So I don't think that's watching Brock Purdy's full body of work and coming to that conclusion because it's factually incorrect. And if you're good enough at watching film and performing as Devontae Wyatt seems to be, you just can't come to that conclusion. So the only possible explanation for that quote was he's just trying to ruffle some feathers and troll a little bit because he has to know that's not true. You would you would hope. Otherwise, that is a fireable offense. Otherwise, Joe Barry <laughs> should not be coaching the defense because you don't get to be like, look at this one game. See all the turnovers? That's who he is. Have a great day. Guys. <laughs> right, See exactly. Ya. See you tomorrow. See you on the plane. Yeah. Uh, that's very, that's funny. So let's talk a little bit about Jordan Love because that's it is quite when you say those numbers it's quite a difference between those first nine ten games this season and what happened was it just experience did they change something like what happened where he almost almost turned into a different quarterback yeah that's the big question we've been trying to figure out is is what happened how how has he been so different the second half of the season and honestly the simplest answer it's you know cliche and boring but it might just be he and LaFleur and these young weapons he has around him got enough reps together. Like all their wide receivers and tight ends that he throws to are in their first or second year. Uh Aaron Jones has missed a bunch of time this season with hamstring and knee injuries. Knee injuries were second half of the season. Um, The offensive line kind of took a while to round into form. They've been really good the past couple games. So Jordan Love is doing things that we saw Aaron Rodgers do. And I want to be careful when I say that, but he's throwing off platform, off schedule, off his back foot, you know, against pressure against the Cowboys last week. Jordan Love was pressured only four times, but completed all four passes for 114 yards and a touchdown against pressure. So 
he is operating the offense with a demeanor, with a calm, with a poise that looks like a seasoned veteran when he's in his mm-hmm. first year starting, actually. So it's that. It's the offensive line holding up. It's the running game opening things up in the play-action game and, and buying him time because people like Micah Parsons can't just pin their ears back and get after Jordan Love. It's the receivers and tight ends. You know, Jaden Reed, Romeo Dobbs, Dontavian Wicks, Luke Musgrave, Tucker Craft getting open, running good routes, Matt LaFleur scheming them up. It's a bit of everything coming together. And, you know, John Runyon Jr., their starting right guard, said this week, you know, you'd rather be a team that's putting it together at the right time than someone who kind of peaked early. I'm paraphrasing there. But the Packers are a team that is peaking now. And sure, they've won 10 out of their 18 games this season, which isn't great, but they just need to win two more and they're going to a Super Bowl. It's easier said than done, but it's a possibility. It is a possibility. I mean, I do think at this point, if you're here, you're here. Like, it's a possibility for everybody. And I look at Dallas and that's a very talented football team. They underachieve a lot. So it's probably, it's not so shocking that they were underachieving, but you look at that Dallas defense, it's a good defense. And the Packers obviously performed really well against them. They're a good offense. They don't have the level or amount of weapons that you have in San Francisco with McCaffrey and Debo and Kittle and I throw use check because that, that's a weapon that people sometimes do forget about. And Brandon Ayuk and Jawan Jennings. I mean, there's a lot and Brock, Brock and Brock Purdy. Yeah. There is a lot going on on that offense, but they didn't have nothing. And I know the, the Packers defense has certainly been a little bit of, I don't know if the Achilles heel is the right word. They have not been fantastic, but they sure were fantastic on Sunday. How do you think they contend with all of these weapons though? Yeah, Joe Barry spoke yesterday and he said they are elite at a couple different positions and they have arguably the best play caller drawing up plays for them to get open. Now, if you just look at the box God, score that, of the that Cowboys... get upset at that. Probably. Um, <laughs> if you just look at the box score from the Cowboys game, you see, oh, the Packers let up 32 points, but they were up 48 to 16 with like yeah. less than six minutes left in the game. Just yeah. played prevent. Matt LaFleur took some starters out. So the Packers defense played really well. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it helps when you get two interceptions, uh, have a pick six. They sacked Dak four times. Didn't get too much pressure on him, but they made the pressure that they did get count with bringing him down and and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Man, the key to stopping the 49ers right now, it's tough because even if you stifle McCaffrey early in the game, he can keep going and and eventually break a couple out just like Aaron Jones did last week. And there's a reason McCaffrey is the best running back in football. You know, Joe Barry comes from obviously that defensive tree of cover two, keep everything in front. But the 49ers are so good at yards after catch, whether it's Debo or Kittle or Ayuk or McCaffrey or whoever, that if you give the 49ers stuff in front, Brock Purdy is going to take it. And guess what? They might turn a 10-yard completion into a 50-yard touchdown. So there's really nothing... I can pinpoint for this Packers defense to say they need to do A, this, Mm -hmm. and they'll be good. What would really help is if Rashawn Gary, who is like the fifth highest paid edge rusher in the league, who they gave a massive contract extension this season, actually is able to bring down Purdy. I understand that sacks are not the sole determining factor of an edge rusher's effectiveness, but Rashawn Gary has half a sack since week 12, when he had three sacks and two forced fumbles against the Lions. You know, going back to what Devontae Wyatt said, sure, it's one thing to pressure because that affects a quarterback, but against a quarterback that's so good against pressure, you got to bring him down before he's able to make a play. And Rashawn Gary 
is their most talented pass rusher in terms of sacking the quarterback. He needs to get home a couple of times. Now, the 49ers are probably going to devote extra resources to him, but he's got to find a way to make it work. That's why they pay you $24 million a year. He also went to the University of Michigan. So yes, he did. He is a personal favorite of mine. <laughs> we can't have a podcast without me bringing up Michigan football. There you go. Congratulations um, on your national championship. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was so exciting. Normally, I would be like, I played so hard, but I feel like when you go to the school, <laughs> like it's different. It's part of you. So, oh, for sure. I appreciate that. So you brought up LaFleur and I made the joke about would he be upset by what Joe Barry said. But I, the coaches are a story in this game for sure. sure. They know each other so well. They are two of the great play callers and offensive minds in the league. And you talked about LaFleur you know, being able to scheme up the other day. When you look at these two coaches, like what are we in for in terms of play calling? Because it feels like it's going to be a really fun offensive game. Yeah, you know, I wonder if we see like a trick pulled out of the bag from Matt LaFleur to try and steal a possession or, hmm. you know, steal an extra first down. The Packers have not faked a punt this season or they haven't done much trickery since earlier in the season. You know, they used to run jet sweeps and, you know, they've run a flea flicker. But normally their thing now is just take the ball uncharacteristically if they win the toss. I think they've won every single toss this year. I don't think that's too far off from from the truth. But against the Lions in week 12, when they came in as heavy underdogs, against the Cowboys, they won the toss, received, used a long drive to go down and score and set the tone first. It's going to be something like that, something like a, a flea flicker where Matt LaFleur tries to catch the 49ers defense off guard. If you're entering a game as a seven seed against the one seed like this, you can't just stick to the status quo. With as well as Jordan Love and Aaron Jones and, and everyone on that offense is playing, you got to do something to catch them off guard. And Matt LaFleur has been able to do that at times this season. So I'm intrigued to see what sort of creativity he brings to this game beyond just the normal scheming guys wide open like he did, Mm -hmm. you know, against the Cowboys. Kyle, he can just run outside zone and he'll probably, you know, put up 30 points. But uh, Matt LaFleur will probably have to do a little bit more. Did you hear, well, of course you did because you were at the game, um, when Dak would say, fall Shanahan, fall Shanahan. Like that was one of their on the line yeah false shanahan false shanahan so i think it uh we asked uh, someone asked chris Furster about it on wednesday and he said when he heard it he figured it was outside zone (laughs) it had to be something outside zone but it was funny yeah you you probably you probably couldn't hear it but on the tv broadcast you could right of course yeah false shanahan's false shanahan so we're gonna do predictions i'm gonna stick with the same prediction i've done all week because i just feel like i'm just gonna stick with it but everyone has now heard mine. They'll hear it again. But what is yours? Yeah, I, I'm the same as you. I stick with the same prediction throughout the week. Mm-hmm. You know, even if new information becomes available, unless it's groundbreaking, I'm a man of my word. I like to stick to it. 49ers 31, Packers 23. I think they keep it relatively close mm-hmm. because anytime you have a quarterback that's playing like Jordan Love, you have a chance and you're going to put it up points. I just don't know, despite how well that side of the ball has been playing in the last three weeks. If the Packers can consistently stop the wealth of weapons, the 49ers have. So I'm going San Francisco 31, Green Bay 23. But hey, covering a Super Bowl is next on my bucket list. I've covered two NFC championship games. This is my seventh year covering the NFL. I want to cover a Super Bowl, especially in Vegas. So I wouldn't hate if the Packers won. I just don't think they will. That's, well, that, that's totally fair. Uh, I've been saying 31-17, actually, okay. San Francisco. All week. I've also been saying 
And it kind of goes to a little bit what you just said. I, I think the Packers' best defense is their offense. And these long drives and like like you said, giving their defense a rest. But at a certain point, I just think there's just, the, the foreigners will wear you down. I think that's what it's going to come down to at the end. That even if, like you said, McCaffrey doesn't break for any big runs early. Like eventually they're just going to wear them down because that's what they do. So I still, I think that will be relatively close-ish, but I'm going 31-17. But hey, if your bucket list gets to happen, <laughs> I, I've covered a Super Bowl. I'd love to cover another one. But if you get to do it this year, that's totally fine. There you go. <laughs> there we go. Matt, tell everybody where they can find you. I'm just at Matt Nyman on Twitter. And if you're interested in a little more Packers talk. Uh, I have my own radio show now. Uh, it's six what? to seven Monday through Friday. It's called the Match Nyman Show. It took me a long time to come up with that on the game iHeartRadio Network out here in Wisconsin. So uh, I'm a lot of places, which is not great news for some people who just don't need that much of me. But I can't wait to get out to California because you know this is what I wore outside today. I did not wear a jacket, and it's 18 degrees. That's how cold it's been. Because 18 degrees feels warm. So I can't wait to get out to California tomorrow. Oh, yeah. You're going to love it. I think it's supposed to be like 60 on Saturday. May or may not have rain. That's been a thing all week long over here. But that's very exciting. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And I will see you at Levi Stadium. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Tracy. Bye. Matt, welcome back to the show. I actually have not seen you since we watched the fabulous Michigan Wolverines win the national championship. So I just, I had to bring it up. There's no way. I'm out of here. Goodbye. (laughs) But you were there. You were at the Rose Bowl. Like you know how amazing it was. It was really fun. Yeah, it was great. And it really was fun to see. Uh, We always discuss how the college level is always influencing the NFL and all that. And this was a perfect example. I I made the example uh, on on ESPN, actually, with my my co-host that this is the NFL influencing college football. When I look at the Michigan Wolverines, I saw the Baltimore Ravens out there. I really did. The style in which they played. Obviously, the brothers being connected that way, seeing the game very similarly, too. Um, it was just a, a true joy to watch to see a team build their college football program like an NFL football team. And I don't know if a lot of my listeners know this. I'm not sure if I'd brought it up before, but I had this thing once Harbaugh won on Christmas. I was like, okay, so Harbaugh is on Monday holidays. They're winners. And so then Jim, of course, won on the Rose Bowl on, on New Year's Day, which was an amazing experience too. But then right. I don't know if everybody knows this January 8th was National Argyle Day. So Harbaugh's win on holiday Mondays. <laughs> I'm going You're damn right about that. They're holiday type of people. <laughs> I was looking up, me and one of my, one of the other writers uh, were looking up, what's, is there a holiday on January 8th? Because now to keep this going in there. I know. National Argyle Day and National Bubble Bath Day. They, well, there you go. And, and they look like the bubble bath type of people. So that's perfect. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's very Harbaugh. symbolic. Yeah. Thanks, bubble bath. <laughs> um, so that was exciting. But now, I'll focus on the NFL. The Michigan Wolverines had my attention for quite some time. But now we are in divisional divisional round week. Packers coming off a big win over the Dallas Cowboys. 49ers obviously had a bye week. And I just talked about a lot of that with my previous guest who covers the Packers. But Matt, I want to talk to you about a couple things. One being quarterbacks, because you have a Jordan Love who's been playing at a, really at a pretty high level. And after struggling a little bit, I... 
I like, I keep saying that the Packers have really cornered the market on legendary quarterbacks with people sitting behind them for three years and then somehow finding success. And that seems to be kind of the thing that they do. But I'd love to kind of hear like what you've seen from him. And it's funny because now you have Brock Purdy in a second season who seems like way more the veteran than Jordan Love, even though Jordan Love has been in the league quite a bit longer. So just kind of would love to talk about that to start. Yeah, I mean, listen, we're we're definitely gifted, I feel like, in this divisional round. One, seeing a C.J. Stroud versus Lamar Jackson, you know, a, at the quarterback matchups. But now also to see Brock Purdy and Jordan Love in this matchup is going to be absolutely fantastic. The cool thing, I think, uh, as far as just focusing on Jordan Love, his growth at the position within one year has been absolutely phenomenal. Matt LaFleur's growth as an offensive coordinator, as a head coach, now separated from Aaron Rodgers and all of his greatness and all that, we're truly seeing who he is as a leader, as a play caller. And um, I think the match is a match made in heaven. His ability to throw the football in awkward positions, his arm flexibility, his arm power, his ability to create space for himself as a thrower. The play that really, to me, signified the growth of the position and his talent, too, on top of that is when uh, the Dallas Cowboys were showing pressure. They were going to run cover zero, right? So everyone's going to blitz. It's man coverage on the back end. He sees it. He checks the play to an aggressive pass play down the football field, catches the snap, and retreats further into the pocket to gain more ground away from the defenders that are blitzing at free runners, delivers the beautiful pass to Devontae Wicks down the football field for the touchdown. And that was kind of like the uh, the cherry on top moment for mm-hmm. Jordan Love and kind of like, whoa, dude is on it. Not only did he see it, he checked it. The coach believed in him. And then the execution to physically do it on top of that with such tremendous ease is is what, you know, got, I think, every former quarterback in that world saying, whoa, this guy is really exciting. And he is the the next gen uh, for for the Green Bay Packers. So real joy to watch to see these two guys go up against each other. And it, it was great to watch him on Sunday in a game that I think Dallas Cowboys were clearly shocked. Uh, the yeah. Dallas Cowboys and... We don't need to talk too much in this, but it is amazing to me how they are just, they are continually shocked when they are beat so badly by opponents, which I think says a lot as to why they are beat so badly by opponents. But yeah. a conversation. Well, I mean, I, I was kind of rooting for the Cowboys. I mean, I know Dan Quinn. I, I'm a fan of Dak Prescott. I kind mm-hmm. of have always defended Mike McCarthy. But I, what I love, though, too, is that as the game went on, I was just like, how can you not root for the Green yeah. Bay Packers? Right. The Mm -hmm. speed on the offensive side of the football, and that's the biggest thing for San Francisco. San Francisco plays a little bit of a different style than what Dan Quinn does. They play Mm -hmm. back. They try to keep everything in front of them. They try to keep it too high shell, a little bit more consistently on the defensive back end. How does Matt LaFleur and Jordan Love attack a defense that primarily has really focused on kind of bend, but don't break, play Mm -hmm. with great, tremendous defensive speed, let our pass rush get after the passer with a four, maybe a five-man rush, and let our linebackers just absolutely wipe the floor with everything else. So really a cool chess match between Matt LaFleur and Steve Wilkes Mm -hmm. as far as who can create the most opportunities consistently in that one. Especially because really for the Packers, their best defense is their offense, is I think the best way to put it. They want that offense on the field because the Packers' defense is, just from a a talent perspective, is going to be a little bit overmatched with this 49ers offense. And Dallas certainly has a lot of talent. I also am a fan of Jack Prescott, so I was rooting for the Cowboys as well, but that is what it is. But I, you, you, the Dallas Cowboys have a lot of talent, but they don't have 
Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel. Tony Pollard, great running back, had a great season. He's not Christian McCaffrey. But then with you have Debo and Brandon Ayuk, Jawan Jennings back, George Kittle, Brock Purdy, Trent Williams on the line, Kyle Juszczyk. I mean, there's so much talent on that offense, so many ways for them to go that I think it will be a very different game. I was impressed by the Packers and I don't want to discount them because I think they're, they got themselves in the playoffs. They playoffs, they went to Dallas. They surprised a lot of people. Uh, right. But I do think this is a very different game. And I don't know that they just have the talent to beat San yeah. Francisco, but you know, this, this is a whole nother monster. It really is. And I would say that really for green Bay, you know, there, there's two things that really have to happen for them to have a chance in this football game. One, do not give up an easy touchdown to start the football game. Right. right? We know how good Kyle Shanahan is at scripting up really good, well-designed football plays that are big momentum plays early on in the football game. And it's usually starts out with San Francisco up seven, nothing really quickly, you know, for a road team like the Green Bay Packers, the way they're designed, you know, they're cool with playing a shootout style. But if they could hold San Francisco to a field goal or just at least slow down San Francisco early in that first quarter, then anything is possible, right? Mm-hmm. Biggest thing for them, too, can Quay Walker, the middle of that defense, can they hold up enough with the inside outside zone run game and running attack? of Kyle Shanahan, of Christian McCaffrey being extremely fresh now, having a week off. And then also the offset screen gadget plays that they run with Debo Samuel on the outside, fake inside zone to Christian McCaffrey, uh, toss sweep to Debo Samuel around the end with George Kittle leading the way or Christian uh, running leading the way. Can they slow down those type of concepts early, which will hopefully allow Green Bay to kind of settle into the game and mm-hmm. hopefully eventually kind of uh, establish a, a true shootout, so to speak. They're not going to win a low-scoring football game. The right. best thing for Green Bay is, can you score early, slow down San Francisco, and force San Francisco to then you know, kind of match shot for shot with you? And I think that will play into their favor uh, as best as they possibly can to win this one. Which is what they did in Dallas. They scored early. And when you talk about right. Fortnite's being up seven, nothing early to me, when on that first drive, they went down the field so easily, scored their up seven, nothing. And I said at that point, the Packers are going to win this game. Like there's yeah. now no doubt in my mind. You could just, it was a tone, it was a momentum thing. And you could just tell. And Dallas was surprised by it and they yeah. never really recovered. So I agree that probably is their best chance. That's why they play the games. So right. we'll see what actually happens on Saturday. Do you want to make a prediction? I've been predicting 49ers 31-17. So okay. I start and just be honest about that. But what are you- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so on the podcast earlier today that I did with my father, uh, I, just to let everybody know out there, not that it's important, but I'm kicking Big Phil's little tushy in <laughs> picks this year. Uh, I, got a, <laughs> I got a six-game lead on him. And yeah, and it's not a little tushy either. But still, you know, uh, I got I got a six game lead on him, and I I said that I'm gonna go with the Packers one to give him an opportunity to get back into the race with me, just to make it fun, you know, you know, a little respect to the pops that way. But uh, you know, also too, I'm just I'm kind of rooting for Matt Lafleur in a weird way too. But I'm very conflicted. I have tremendous respect for Kyle, tremendous respect for Matt Lafleur. Obviously, our relationship there in Atlanta. Um, so it, it's very, it's one of these games where I feel like I can't lose, you right. know, because of just how great this matchup will be. Um, I'm expecting a high scoring game actually. Okay. So I am actually going to go with a 34, 31 
Ooh. San Francisco a win. Okay. So you're picking Packers on your pod, yep. Niners on my pod. No I doubt. You think. Can't, can't lose. <laughs> you can't lose. It's a really smart way to go, actually. This no doubt. Genius. I hope everyone is paying very close attention because Matt here is a genius. You mentioned the pod. Tell everybody where they can find it and where they yeah, can Yeah, so Sims Complete on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you can check us out on YouTube, too, as well, wherever podcasts are available. Also there, uh, part of the Believe Network, Sims Complete with my father and I, Big Philly Sims. And just to remind you again, I'm kicking his little tushy and pick. So <laughs> tune in and uh, watch me tease him about that. <laughs> I love it. You guys, we are brought to you by FIBA. We we're brought to you by Bet Online. You can find me on Twitter, X at TracyFGSN, on Instagram at Tracy Sandler. Don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and a very positive review. And with that, talk to everybody after the, the, after the divisional round. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.